Welcome to our class called Disciples Who Make Disciples through Immersion Discipleship School. This is session three called The Process of Discipleship. Now over the last few weeks, we've already talked about the call or the invitation of discipleship from Jesus. And then we also talked about the goal of discipleship, or I should say the goals, that there were three goals, those things that we're growing into as his followers and what that actually looks like. And today what we wanna do is talk about the process because we can have the goal, we can know where it is that we're growing to and going to, but what is the process or what are the elements or ingredients that bring us from where we are to where we need to be as followers of Christ. And you know this verse, I've already shared it with you in Luke chapter 6, verse 39 through 40. This is what Jesus said. He told them a parable. Can a blind man lead a blind man? Will they not both fall into a pit? A student is not above his teacher, but everyone who is fully trained will be like his teacher. And again, we've already established that our goal is to be a fully trained, committed follower of Jesus. This is what the Lord says in this verse. Everyone who is fully trained will be like his teacher. Everyone, if we're fully trained disciples, we're going to be like the one we're following, be like Jesus. And so that's our commitment. But what is the process, the elements that bring us into this being fully trained idea that Jesus talks about. Often in church, you see that the discipleship process is poorly defined or it's overlooked entirely. In fact, I look for it when I go to churches or when I listen to people like, what steps have you taken or what elements are involved in you becoming a fully committed follower of Christ? And I feel like a lot of people don't always know or how is it that I really grow into the goal of discipleship, the person that Jesus has called me to be? How do I do that? What are the things that I need to implement in my life. And there are three things that are essential for anybody who's going to be a disciple of Jesus. And the first is, of course, the Word of God. The importance of the Word of God can't be underestimated. We're going to talk about that. The second is the Spirit of God. We absolutely need the Spirit of God in our life to empower every step that we're going to take for it to truly be spiritual and not just natural. And the third, of course, is the people of God. The Lord has designed us in such a way where we need one another. We need the body of Christ. We're not just individuals. We're not just rogue agents. We're not just people kind of doing what we want to do off and by ourselves, but we actually are a family. We're a committed group and we help one another become who God has called us to be. And so the first we're going to focus on, as I said, the Word of God. And there's a passage that I want to reference. And often when we talk about the Word of God as it pertains to discipleship, we're going to use 2 Timothy chapter 3 and starting in verse 16 or somewhere around there. But before we get to 2 Timothy 3, I want to look at 2 Timothy 2 because it sets up uh, and helps us understand 2 Timothy 3. So verse 15 in 2 Timothy 2 is what I want to read all the way to verse 21. And here's what Paul says to Timothy. Do your best to present yourself to God as one approved, a workman who does not need to be ashamed and who correctly handles the word of truth. Avoid godless chatter because those who indulge in it will become more and more ungodly. Their teaching will spread like gangrene, and among them are Hymenaeus and Philetus, who have wandered away from the truth. They say that the resurrection has already taken place, and they destroy the faith of some. Nevertheless, God's solid foundation stands firm, sealed with this inscription. The Lord knows who, those who are His, and everyone who confesses the name of the Lord must turn away from wickedness. In a large house there are articles not only of gold and of silver, but also of wood and of clay. 
So some are for noble purposes and some for ignoble. If a man cleanses himself from the latter, he will be an instrument for noble purposes, made holy, useful to the master, and prepared to do any good work. Paul calls Timothy, who he says is his true son in the faith, to rightly handle the word of God. He tells him to diligently study it so that he can present it accurately. There's this concept of accuracy and precision. And what I want to put in front of you is that we want to handle the Word of God accurately. Why would Paul tell Timothy that? Why would, be there, why would there be this emphasis on not only knowing the Word, reading the Word, but correctly and accurately handling it? Well, because that absolutely is important. If you're going to be a follower of Christ, you're a follower of His words, and you have to know His words and know what they mean. In our Immersion Discipleship School, we have a class called How to Study the Bible. It's actually our first class. And we go over observation, interpretation, and application, which is the inductive Bible study method. And we do that because I have found that most people really don't understand the Bible. They don't know where it comes from. They don't know how to study it. They kind of read it devotionally. And that's fine to read it devotionally, but we've got we've to do more than that. If we're going to stake our life on this book, we have to do what Paul tells Timothy. We've got to be a people that correctly handle the word of truth. And I think in so many other areas of our life, we're very good at making sure that we do what's necessary in order to, to have something the proper way. Well, why not, if we're going to stake our whole life on this book as truth, know where it comes from, know how to study it, know what it means, we've got to invest our time, our energy, and our effort into understanding the Bible. And this to me is essential for a disciple because you can't follow the Lord if you don't know the Lord's words. So many people get deceived because they think they know what God wants or they think they know what God says, but they're not certain, especially in our culture in a day and age where truth is relative or truth is about opinions. It's more really about philosophy than theology. People have a lot of ideas and everywhere you go, people are espousing what they think is true or even what they think the Bible says. But we've got to make sure that we're going to the Word of God and not just assuming what the Word of God says. And this, I believe, is what Paul is telling Timothy. He's mentioning that those who don't do this are people that wander away from the faith. Isn't that interesting? He brings up two people that have wandered away because they've listened to somebody's teaching about Jesus's work and what he was doing, and they have walked away from sound biblical teaching. And Paul warns Timothy not to do that himself, but also about those that are doing it. And he's encouraging Timothy to take up this mantle of accurately handling the word. And that's what I want to encourage you into today. As a devoted disciple of Jesus, your commitment to the word has to be unshakable, has to be so certain and true that you're spending time, more and more time, in the word of God. And so he tells them to rightly divide the word and people that do this are like articles of gold and silver, useful for any good work. Think about this. We all want to be used by God. We want to be used by God to do great things. And Paul presents this idea that there are two kinds of people. There are people that accurately handle the word of truth, and these are like gold and silver in a large house that they're bringed out, they're, they are brought out for the special purposes that God has. In a large house, he says, there are also vessels of wood and of clay that are basically just for common purposes. So he presents two kinds of people 
two kinds of vessels for two kinds of purposes. One is for common and the other is for special. And what he's saying is those who accurately handle the word are set apart for God's holy purposes because they understand things that those who are not doing that won't understand. Isn't that amazing that there is a stewardship entrusted to us before we ever get to the place of doing what God has called us to do? And that stewardship is knowing what God has said. And so this, there's this vital, important issue as a disciple of knowing, studying, and embodying His holy word. He goes on to say this very, very well-known verse in 2 Timothy chapter 3 and verse 16. Paul says to Timothy, all scripture is inspired by God and profitable for teaching, for reproof, for correction, training in righteousness, so that the man of God may be adequate and equipped for every good work. The Bible is uniquely able as God's word to shape and train us to do the things that God has called us to do. And so this is what we're talking about. I'm not just inviting you into or calling you up to a place of doing your daily devotions. I think it's great. We need to have daily devotions. We need to read the Bible, but more than just maybe a devotional, we need to be studiers of God's word. All scripture is God breathed. Think about this. It's from God. He's talking in this passage about the Old Testament because they didn't have the New Testament formed at that time. Obviously, we're reading the New Testament, so they were referring to the Old Testament. He's telling Timothy how important, how valuable, how serious the Word of God is and what the effect of the Word of God has. So it's God's Word and those that are serious with God's Word are going to be those that are shaped and trained to do the things that God has called them to do. Once again, he says it in 2 Timothy 2 and now he's saying it again in 2 Timothy 3, but he's adding to it that these words are from God, which is why they are uniquely able to have this impact and effect, unlike anything else that you could put into your heart and into your mind. And in today's world, we have many important issues at hand, and yet even among them, we know that there's something against the word being what it actually is. There are many voices that are trying to say that the Bible is not accurate, it's not true, it's not from God, it's not real. And, and this is what we're up against. And we've got to realize that there's a spiritual warfare as a disciple of Jesus to take up the word for what it really is. And so this is why I'm spending a little bit of time seeking to encourage you because I'm not just saying, hey, be a person that gets up in the morning and reads a little bit of the Bible or opens the, the, the new devotional that's really popular today. I'm not, I don't mean any offense by this, but that's, that's not what I'm talking about. I'm talking about investing ourselves into the scriptures so that God would use us in the way that he truly intends. So many people feel like their potential is untapped, like their calling is never reached, like it's, they're always just out of reach of what it is that they feel like they're supposed to do. And I think part of it is because we're not investing ourselves into the things that uniquely equip us. And obviously we're talking about the word because the scripture renews our mind. And in order for us to think rightly, we've got to have God's thoughts in our mind. Otherwise, we're just going to think culturally, or we're going to think just by default, whatever our origins are, our background is, our failings, our defeats, 
or whatever, we're going to go by that rather than by the Word. And we need the Word to inform us as disciples of Jesus. True discipleship and making disciples is impossible without the Word of God in our lives. Look what Jesus says multiple times about the Word. In John 8, 31, Jesus, this is what it says. So Jesus was saying to those Jews who had believed him, if you continue in my Word, then you are truly disciples of mine. This word continue is talking about remain. If you remain in my word, then you are my disciples. He gave us the word so that we could remain in it and that our life could remain in the way that a disciple is, is to walk. In John 15, 7, Jesus says this, if you abide in me and my words abide in you, ask whatever you wish and it will be done for you. My Father is glorified by this, that you bear much fruit, and so prove to be my disciples. Verse 9, just as the Father has loved me, and I also have loved you, abide in my love. If you keep my commandments, you will abide in my love, just as I have kept my Father's commandments, and abide in his love. These things I have spoken to you, so that my joy may be in you, and that your joy may be full. Jesus, again, he says, if you continue in my word, you're disciples of mine. He's talking about remaining. Now, isn't that interesting? Because I have found as a follower of Christ that the things that you start out in and are most excited about, you're enthusiastic, you, you are passionate, but you start to wane in your passion. You start to wane in your enthusiasm and it starts to become less and less. And so Jesus is talking about remaining. Yeah, maybe you're not going to have the same enthusiasm, but we have to have the same mindset that this is something I need. And this is, I believe what he's saying is, is that if you remain in this word, it proves for you to be my disciples. And everything that a disciple is going to do is first going to start with what our master says. And this is the first commitment that we make. And we obviously need what the word says. So this is clear. As disciples, we are called to learn love and live in and through the word of God. Amen. This is the first element. The second that we need if we're going to grow as disciples of Jesus that always, this is always involved in our process, is the spirit of God. We know that the scriptures alone are not enough. It's the Holy Spirit that moved upon men in order to write scripture and it takes the Holy Spirit in our life in order to understand what was written. So we need the Spirit of God in our life. And we know from Scripture that the Holy Spirit has many roles and many responsibilities. These are some of the ways that the Bible references His role, that He teaches and He guides and He convicts and He prays and He reveals Jesus and He causes us to be born again. He empowers us. He sanctifies us. He anoints us for ministry. He brings freedom into our life. He gives joy. He produces godly fruit in our life. He pours love into our heart. And this all to say that we need the Holy Spirit. We need His word, the Word of God and we need the Holy Spirit of God to make alive all that we read about as followers of Christ. Look what Jesus said to his disciples, his direct disciples, in John 14, 16. He says to them, I will ask the Father and he will give you another helper that he may be with you forever. That is the spirit of truth whom the world cannot receive because it does not see him or know him, but you know him because he abides with you and he will be in you. And the spirit will live in us he is the spirit of truth. This is what Jesus is saying is, is that I've been walking with you for this time. You're my disciples. You know, 
I'm the one that you're following. I'm the one that you're called to be like. I'm the one that you're listening to. But I'm going to leave and there's going to come another who will be with you and he will be in you, guiding you, teaching you, correcting you, showing you the way to do what I've been teaching you to do. That Jesus will never leave us or forsake us because he sends the Spirit. This is the Spirit of Christ. And it's the Holy Spirit that's going to empower and indwell the disciples and now we as disciples to do the works of Jesus and to live the life of Jesus. So as a disciple, we cannot be an effective disciple without the Holy Spirit of God in, in our life. Jesus goes on to say in John 14 and verse 25, These things I have spoken to you while abiding with you, but the Helper, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, he will teach you all things, and he will bring to your remembrance everything that I said to you. And Jesus tells his disciples that the Holy Spirit will teach them everything. He's their ultimate teacher. Jesus was only with them for three years, but the Holy Spirit would be with them forever. He would teach them everything. He would take from what is his and he will make it known to them. He will be the one that reveals truth and then guides them into the life that is what Jesus is all about. And this is so important that we get this, that there's not just this negotiable optional thing that uh, that we that we have called the Holy Spirit. No, he's the tr he's the third person of the Trinity. He indwells us and he does so because we need him. We need his power. We need his teaching. We need his leadership in our life as a disciple. Jesus is talking to his disciples here and I believe he's also talking to us as, a dis as disciples in a different context saying you need the Holy Spirit. And what I want to say is that we've got to develop this deep-seated need for the work of the Spirit in our lives. And this is something that I want in my life all the time. Wake up in the morning, Holy Spirit, fill me. Holy Spirit, flow through me. Holy Spirit, use me. Holy Spirit, help me to navigate the kind of life that glorifies Jesus. I want to bring him fruit. This is what John 15 says, In this my Father is well pleased, that you bear much fruit. This is what Jesus said about the Father. So I want to bear fruit as a disciple. That's going to happen through the power of the Holy Spirit. I can know the word, but I've also got to have the power. And he is the power for every disciple. So to have any kind of effective discipleship type life or process without the Holy Spirit, it just simply won't be effective. It can't be. J Jesus goes on to say in the book of John, which tells a lot about the Holy Spirit. This is where Jesus gives a lot of teaching about the Holy Spirit. But in John 16, 12, he goes on to say this to his disciples. I have many more things to say to you, but you cannot bear them now. But when he, the spirit of truth comes, he will guide you into all truth for he will not speak on his own initiative, but whatever he hears, he will speak and he will disclose to you what is to come. He will glorify me and he will take of mine and he will disclose it to you and all the things that the Father has are mine. Therefore, I said that he takes of mine and he will disclose it to you. Jesus wanted to teach the disciples more, but he acknowledged that they were not able to receive it. And what he meant by that is that you can't hold up under the weight of the revelation that I want to say, the things that I want to share with you. You can't conceive, you can't understand, and you won't be able to walk them out. But when the Holy Spirit comes and he will share these things with you, you'll be able to receive it and you'll be able to walk in it. And that's part of the job of the Holy Spirit. As, his, as the disciples of Jesus, we've got to know that he's speaking to us truth in order for us to walk in.
And so we don't just want to hear the truth, but we realize he's also giving us the power to live in that truth. Everything that the Holy Spirit tells us, everything that we read from the Word of God, which was again penned by people who were moved upon by the Holy Spirit, we have to know when we read those things that while they may seem impossible in the natural, they're not impossible for those that are disciples of Jesus empowered by the Holy Spirit. That's the encouragement that we have to have. Sure, there's a standard that might seem higher than we're able to reach right now or farther than we've gone right now, but that's the encouragement is that God will himself and is committed to helping us get to wherever the word is telling us that we need to go. If the Bible tells us that we need to be a people who pray for the sick and see them recover in the natural, that's not possible. We can't heal the sick, but by the power of the Holy Spirit, we can heal the sick. That's why Jesus told his disciples in Matthew 17, if you speak to this mountain, be, be thou removed, it will be cast into the sea. We speak to the mountain. How can we do that by the power of the Holy Spirit? We have authority and we have power to continue the mission and the ministry of Jesus Christ on the earth. That's what it means to be a disciple, a learner of the ways and the words of Jesus to continue his ministry and his mission in this world and unto his second coming. That's what we're all about. And so he has committed himself by his word and by his spirit for us to be able to do the things that he calls us into. So we have to develop a desperation for the work of the spirit. And practically speaking, I encourage you to wake up every day and say, Holy Spirit, fill me. Holy Spirit, flow through me. Holy Spirit, open my eyes, open my mind, keep me from evil and help me to fulfill what the word of God calls me to as a, as a disciple of Jesus Christ. To me, this is what a disciple does because they know that they need him. And this is my encouragement to you. The way we connect with and depend on the spirit leading us in the everyday life is through a consistent prayer life. And that's what I want to remind you of as we move on to our third and final point. Once again, I'm looking at these elements as a part of the process. Instead of giving you step one, step two, step three, I'm saying that these three elements have to be involved in every process or program or procedure that, we that we're a part of, that we take steps in. If these three things are not a part of it, then it's just not gonna be fully complete and effective as disciples of Jesus, and we need to know that. So instead of the processes and procedures that I, to, instead of talking about that, I'm talking to you about the substance of what has to be a part of any process or procedure that we're a part of. So the first was the Word of God, the second is the Spirit of God, and the third and final one is the people of God. And we're talking about the church of Jesus Christ. We're talking about the body of Christ, the people of God. And obviously, I'm saying to you that this is not just up to us. Okay, when Jesus talked to his disciples in Matthew chapter 28, verse 18 through 20, he said to his disciples, go and make disciples. And that's the point I want to make. He says to his disciples, go and make disciples. Spirit-empowered people are the ones that go and make disciples of other people. It's not just the Word and the Spirit alone. We do this together as the people of God, meaning that God has designed us in such a way where we need each other. And this is what we see in the Great Commission, where Jesus is literally putting his power and his word and his authority behind those that he called as his initial disciples, and then they would go and do the same thing. And there's verse after verse after verse 
talking about this very thing, that the people who have what God called them to have as his disciples are to pass that on. Uh, Paul tells Timothy that exact thing. But we see this from the Great Commission, and it continues on throughout Scripture. In fact, when we look at church leaders and what the job of church leaders actually is, in Ephesians chapter 4, verse 11 through 13, we have this passage where Paul's telling the Ephesian church that there are certain kinds of gifts in the body of Christ, and those gifts are specifically designed to equip God's people. And this is what he says in Ephesians 4.11, And he gave some as apostles, and some as prophets, and some as evangelists, and some as pastors and teachers, for the equipping of the saints for the work of service, to the building up of the body of Christ, until we all attain the unity of the faith and the knowledge of the Son of God to a mature man, to the measure of the stature which belongs to the fullness of Christ. Paul gives a picture of the church and that there are some who equip the body for ministry and maturity. And in a sense, we all do this together. There are some among us who have been given a ministry gift whereby they everything that they do, it's a gift to the church. Their life is a gift to the church because they eat, sleep, and drink the development, the maturity, and the ministry of the church so that the church, the people of God, can go out of the buildings and live life in a way that reflects Jesus in every way. And that really is discipleship. And so God has hardwired and installed into his people this concept or this drive, is probably a better word, to raise one another up so that we can become disciples of Jesus. And it's so important that we, that we get a hold of this, that like you need mentors, you need disciplers in your life. So the question, here's the question I have for you. Who's discipling you? Maybe you're older and you feel like, well, I, I never really had a discipler. The Lord was always my discipler. Well, that's fine. The Lord can be your discipler, but we need voices in our life. I think we get deceived because we're trying to do a lot of this alone. And sometimes I hear people say, well, I've tried and, and whatever, but listen, you're in charge of your discipleship. And if it's important to you to get more, you need other people. You know, the word and the spirit is obvious, but we need people. God's designed it that way. We see from multiple scriptures, from Ephesians 4, from Matthew 28, and even when I look at 2 Timothy chapter 2, and I'll just read this verse 1 and 2 to you, this is what Paul told Timothy. He said, You therefore, my son, be strong in the grace that is in Christ Jesus, and the things which you have heard from me in the presence of many witnesses, entrust these to faithful men who will be able to teach others. And you see this map sort of laid out, and Paul's carrying it in his mind. He's not only exhibiting it by what he's doing with Timothy, but he's telling Timothy to do the same thing. Paul, the way that I was with you, I want you to go do that with many others who will also repeat this process. I want you to teach people what you know. I want you to impart what you have. I want you to give it away for free because this is supposed to grow and replicate and go throughout the entire world. The way that the world hears the gospel and gets discipled is through men and women who are committed to carry and to give what they have away to everybody that God puts into their path. And this is what it's all about. Discipleship is intentional, it's committed. It's that we're discipled by people, not just people, but the word and the spirit as well. But we also then go and make disciples. So we have to have a vision of something, which is our next session. We have a vision of making disciples, but that vision of us making disciples has got to also come from us being a disciple of someone else. 
How can we expect someone else to be under us if we've never been under anyone else? So there's this concept sometimes where people will say, well, I only have the Lord as my mentor or my discipler, but then they expect everyone else to listen to them. Well, there's something wrong with that process, especially in an individualistic society, in a, in a world where people live on their own, do it on their own, don't interact with people, or even if they do, it's mostly online. And so cyber relationships have sort of taken over where we can listen to a podcast, we can watch a video, we can read a book and sort of feel like we're being mentored by people. And it's not the same. Having real relationship with people that know us and we're known by them, having that kind of relationship is where we can get corrected. It's where we can get encouraged. It's where the direction of our life can be rerouted. It's where prophecies that are intentional, that are specific can be shared. It's where hands can get laid on us. It's where impartation can really come. I mean, I personally don't think that impartation comes outside of real relationship. I do think that there are times where you can have a power encounter and have an impartation, but I don't think impartation's cheap. I think when Paul laid his hands on Timothy, and God honored that prayer because Paul was imparting what he was carrying to his true son in the faith. I think God honored that because of the relationship and the submission to authority that Timothy had as he walked out life with Paul. And so we want to answer this question, who is discipling me? And if you can't answer that question, you want to be able to think about who you want to disciple you. Maybe that's once a week. Maybe that's um, a few times a week. Maybe that's whenever you can be with someone, but we've got to pursue people in our life to, dis to disciple us. This is something that is essential. It is part of the ingredients that make us a better, more devoted, more committed disciple of Christ is to be in someone else's life and to submit ourselves to them as they teach us, as they help us to grow and develop. We need this. You need this. I need this in my life. I have several people in my life that I consider mentors and disciplers, and I call them and I sit with them regularly, and I'm encouraging you to do the same. I'm encouraging you with what is what the things that I do in my own life, I believe that we all need to do them. We see this from scripture time and time again, stories like Moses and Joshua, Elijah and Elisha, Jesus and the disciples, Paul and Timothy, it's all over the place. In fact, when you read the Old Testament, you see how God will raise up one person. The first thing that Jesus does when he steps into his ministry is he chooses a whole group of people, you know, you, 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 12 people to follow him. He has a group, he has a people, and this is what is referenced over and over again in Scripture. The people of God are the body of Christ. They're members of one another, and we can't say to one that we have no need of you. We actually need each other. Part of it is because of discipleship. It helps us to become more like Jesus. That's the vision of Ephesians 4, that we grow up into the stature of the fullness of Christ, but we do it together, and we need each other in order to do that. So we are discipled by the Word of God, the Spirit of God, and the people of God. And any process, procedure, or principles of, or process of, a, of discipleship must include these things. And if they don't, we need to make sure that they do because we need all three in our life to be strengthened by the Word, to be filled with the Spirit, empowered by the Spirit, but also to be sharpened and shaped by the people of God around us. In fact, in my heart, what I really feel is that I think everybody's going to agree with the Word and the Spirit. But it's when, when it comes to the church and it comes to the people of God, let me encourage you with this. Find people, pray for people to disciple you. And as we look at this in the next session, we're going to talk about who we're intentionally going after as well. 
Let's take this discipleship into our hands and ask God to breathe upon it. Ask God to help us with it so that we can simply become more like Jesus as his committed followers. This is what it's all about. Let me pray for you guys as we close. Father, I just thank you for this uh, important lesson. And we know that it's by your word and your spirit and your people that we become the followers of Christ that you've destined for us to be. And I pray, God, that nothing would be lacking in anybody that's a student of IDS, that's watching this, that's listening to this. I pray that you would help us to grow and to go to those places um, and take those steps that we need to take in this season of our life. And so, Lord, convict us, encourage us, and strengthen us to do just that so that we become who you made us to be. Father, we thank you that we get to follow you and the privilege of serving you. It really is a privilege. So we honor you today. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Well, God bless you guys. I look forward to our next and final session in this class on discipleship.